Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. It's a new episode. <laughs> oh, Kevy, come on come down. Come on down. <laughs> With apologies to Sean Cosgrove. With apologies to everybody concerned. Well, yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, sorry about the eardrums. Uh, welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson. Oh, and Kevin Hillier. Oh, <laughs> yay, the crowd goes Yeah, wild. that brings back a, a wealth of memories for me. And it will because our guest is Larry Emder. Oh, leaping lizards, Kevin, it's Larry. <laughs> <laughs> well, people used to leap all over Larry. Well, yeah, the, the leaping was more about the people doing it to him rather than him being the... Leaping, licking, all kinds of oh, things. Oh, yes, and we've, we've got a really uh, a very enjoyable chat with yep. uh, with Larry coming up. He's got a, a book, he's, he's done a book after being uh, sort of, I guess, probed by a lot of people. Go on, write a book. You, <laughs> everyone says that to you. Oh, you, yeah. the stuff you've seen, you wrote a book. So he finally did, and it's it's really entertaining. Well, he goes from his childhood through, it's, it's good Stuff. He certainly got so well, he's had an interesting life and plenty to write about. And a great title, which, funnily enough, I, I would have thought, <laughs> you know, he's had the title in his head for 100 years. No, not true. No, he got it from a mate. Happy as Larry. wonder what your um, self-titled book would be, Kevin. That'll would never, it be Kevin is Heaven? Never to be released is what <laughs> mine will be called. Never to be written or released. But and for Larry's that we can his. all be thankful. Exactly. Larry's got his and it's out and about now. In fact, we saw it in a bookshop in Inverloch we on the did. weekend. Uh, from HarperCollins. So uh, uh, good on you, Larry. Uh, looking forward to uh, to that chat which will be coming up and mm. to the food poll. Oh, we've gone a bit El Cheapo this week, haven't we? The food poll lasts longer than the actual food item. <laughs> Well, no, takes longer than the food item, it's, not last longer. Look, it's the wonderful, it, it's the, the bachelor's uh, staple, isn't it? The two-minute noodles. It's uh, the uni person's go-to. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out exactly how that uh, how that plays out. Uh, so let's get to Larry Emder, talk to him about his book and about obviously the chase and the yeah. morning show and all the things that he does. Uh, right here on Food Bites with Sarah Patterson. Here's Larry. It's a new Larry. No, no, don't do that. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Thank you for joining us. It's great privilege and pleasure for us to have the Rose Bay Public School Marching Parade Trophy winner of 1973 <laughs> on the program. <laughs> and I want everybody to introduce me as such. <laughs> oh, oh, don't worry. Thanks to your book, I've got more. Yeah. <laughs> Good. One of the things that does come through in your book is is your relationship with food and with uh, and with the kitchen and that and this being you know food bites uh, with Sarah Patterson podcast it's it's sort of timely that we've uh, we've got you to chat about this and and about your book so what is your relationship with the kitchen? Well, I've got to say, in all honesty, when I uh, when I realised I was talking to you, I thought, oh, this is not. I'm not sure I've got too much to contribute here because <laughs> I've, things have changed lately. But um, as you see in the book. My relationship with food when I was growing up certainly was one of a, a surfer boy at Bondi. You know, it was pizzas and hamburgers <laughs> and fish and chips. And my gosh, by the time my wife came along, thank goodness she did, um, I, I, I was in all sorts of mess, you know, coming of being a bachelor and stuff. And just when I was growing up, it was because we were in and out of the surf all day, every day. It was really, um, gosh, it was takeaways and it was bacon and egg rolls and terrible things. A uh, terrible, terrible thing. Well, one not so terrible thing. T- tell us about the bunny in the hole. Oh, well, oh yeah. Well, that was Mum's. Well, uh, since the book's gone out, I'm, I keep hearing that 
uh, from everyone. Oh, my mum did that as well. Yeah. So <laughs> I mum always said it was her secret recipe, but essentially uh, it was a tablespoon of butter. Do you, do, you, do your listeners really want to hear this? Yeah, um, it, was, <laughs> it was a tablespoon of butter in the fry pan. Uh, and then you uh, take some white bread. Uh, you punch a hole in the middle of the white bread. You sizzle. You fry the white bread. Yep. Then you put another tablespoon in the middle of the hole and fry until and that sizzles. Then you put an egg in the white bread and you fry it all up. And it's called Mum called it a bunny in a hole. Oh, what could um, be better than that? Oh uh, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not sure what my. Uh, what my heart doctor would call it, but <laughs> mum called it a bunny hole. That's what I love, Larry, is that these food memories, they're, they're so uh, nostalgic. And, and another thing that you get rather nostalgic about and has been mentioned in the book and, and quite widely elsewhere is your your school lunches and your sangers and uh, and the fact that you loved a bit of uh, lunch meat in your uh, in your childhood <laughs> lunch. I guess they called it the poor man's hot dog back then, the, the old that, Devon. That's right. And and we didn't have much money, so I think we probably had there was Devon, and then there was the poor man's Devon. I think we we're probably having that, whatever that is. But um, yeah, look, the, what what this book did, I suppose, when I sat down to write it, was all these wonderful memories came flooding back, and they were so simple. You know, I think life gets more and more complicated for everybody. But back in the day, and certainly those early memories, it, it was it was Devon and sauce sandwiches, like that was. That brought me such delight at lunchtime, unwrapping the Devon and Sauce sandwiches and seeing my friends with the Vegemite sandwiches or the, the mm. snobby rich kids with the Vegemite and cheese sandwiches. <laughs> uh, and I had this, this Devon Sauce sandwich. It was, and, you know, mum, I, I, I just, and I, you know what? You know what I did? I, I found, I haven't eaten it for 40 years. And I went and found it the other day in a jelly, uh, just to see what it tasted like. And, uh, Boy, I left that. I've left that taste behind. That's for sure. But um, it's funny. It's funny the memories that came flooding back, and part of it was about the sandwich, and the rest of it was about the schoolyard and yeah. the sitting down with friends under the tree and and all those things. And another, uh, you know, what? Uh, another chapter in the book, which I'm sure anyone healthy would just scream at. But I used to go fishing with my dad. He had a little tiny, stinky little timber boat, um, and it was such a Special, special time. And it was a particularly difficult chapter to write because my, my father passed away about 15 years ago um, and they were such special memories. But we'd go in the morning about 9 o'clock and we'd row out to this boat and then at 11.30 every morning it'd say, pie time, and I'd have to row back into the boat shed and there was a big Ben pie warmer there and I'd get the pie and row back, two pies and with extra sauce splashed on it and row back out of this boat. What, what I wrote in the book and, and – it felt right writing it, if you're not a nutritionist, but it felt right. I said, I've tasted some of the best foods in the world. I've eaten and drink, drunk all over the world. and I, I don't remember anything tasting as good as a pie and sauce on the back of that stinky old boat <laughs> the, with my dad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah I do. It was just, it was just a, a moment in time, and it wasn't about the pie, and it wasn't about the sauce. It was about sitting there in the sunshine fishing with my dad, and um, and the pie was, 11.30, on the dot, every Saturday morning, I'd have to row back into the shed and get the pie. And so that's, that was a special little food story um, that, uh, you know, not the healthiest of stories, but that was my story. You've hit upon a wonderful thing, which is why we loved doing a food-based show 
is because, as you've just said, when you talk about food and childhood food memories, you invariably move on to uh, to wonderful memories from your childhood. Yes, and that's that's what I did a lot a lot through this book. And then I, you know, growing up as well, you know, when I met Sylvie's my wife's family for the first time, they're Polish, and um, I, you know, as I've already said, I was a very simple eater. I was pizzas and burgers and pies, <laughs> fish and chips. Um, and when I met Sylvie's family in Brisbane, um, the mother, Ella, the lovely mother, late, late Ella, had um, prepared a, a, a dish that I think was supposed to surprise me. She was very funny like that. It was, uh, I, I guess they were looking for a reaction, but they wouldn't tell me what it was. And uh, so I had to sit there and taste it while they were all watching me and going, come on, Larry, enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. And I ate this and it was ox tongue, right? And <laughs> And I, I remember kind of gagging, but at the same time realizing this was my moment to impress Sylvie's family. <laughs> so I was like, so I was like, mm, yeah, no, oh, this is lovely. Yeah, this is. Can I? I might have some more cold beetroot soup to wash that down, please. <laughs> <laughs> so there are plenty of love. You know, looking back through the book, I, I, you know, I guess you're right. And it's probably not until I realized that you know we were having this chat today um, when I saw it on the sheet, and I thought there is actually a lot of food references in the book and how that marks time in so many ways. Let's go back to your earlier days, uh, Larry. And, and I mean, so many of us know you and, and love you for it. We've seen you on, on game shows, The Price is Right, and now currently The Morning Show. But people may not realise you uh, you left school quite early uh, and um, you were, uh, you know, you were a working man when you were a teenager. Yeah, that's right. I was I was terrible at school. Um uh, really couldn't read, couldn't write, couldn't add up. I was terrible, and all I wanted to do was actually go surfing. So, and the sc- the school I was going to was pretty loose. Like you could catch the bus, go and do roll call, and then walk down the hill and go to the beach. So, I took advantage. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I took advantage of that failing system um, to the degree where it was agreed upon that I, you know, I was about to be kicked out of school, and the headmaster called my parents in and said, "Look, it's, this isn't working for him. It's not working for us. He's wasting his time." Um, it's worth noting that back in the day that it was it wasn't frowned upon, you know, like there were a lot of a lot of my friends were leaving to start apprenticeships at sixteen and um it was kind of a thing. You'd get your school certificate and, and you could go out into the workforce. Usually, you know, if you had a if you had a job or had an apprenticeship lined up. So I um it was agreed that I, I, I wasn't for school when school wasn't for me. So I left and and um I got a job as a what was called a copy boy working overnight at what was then the Sun newspaper, which was basically um, uh, emptying ashtrays, uh, washing coffee cups, um, and being abused by angry journalists. That was the that was the job. Glamour job. <laughs> yeah, absolute glamour job. But but you know it worked for me because I could work overnight. And I could surf all day. So I was earning just over two dollars an hour working overnight, um, ninety eighty nine dollars a week, and I was in. I was very very happy because I could just surf all day. Well, it, it, it did uh, get you away from your original vocation, which, of course, was, uh, you know, uh, stealing golf balls. Yeah. <laughs> In this book, and I didn't realise it was all together because I was just writing these stories randomly, I realised that I've broken so many laws and I should be in jail, actually. Yep. But <laughs> one, of my, one of my dear, dear mates uh, lived near a golf course and um, – one day we collected all the golf balls that had run down into the bushes uh, that the golfers had sort of given up the debt. And we took them around to the pro shop and the, the, the guy in the pro shop um, gave us $5 for the bucket. And we thought, oh, well, well, 
we're rich. This is great. Uh, so we started doing it. So we ran out of lost golf balls. So we had to start stealing golf balls while they were in play. So we, <laughs> <laughs> so we became very good at this. We, we'd, we'd stay in our school uniforms, which were khaki. We were kids. We were six and seven and eight. Um, and we'd roll around under the bushes. And when if, if, if balls landed sort of within 50 metres of us, we'd sprint out or roll out on the grass, grab them and roll back in. And, and we uh, we made a sweet, sweet living out of stealing golf balls for a while. <laughs> oh, Tell us about, Larry, your foray into the, uh, the game show arena because – the Price is Right. I mean, that was that was just such a, a big show and many happy memories. But I mean, you found yourself dealing with some interesting and sometimes quite uh, hysterical, I guess, contestants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, Price is Right was full of that, and um, of course, of course, we'd look out for that. You know, like I, I would know uh, as much as I was getting hurt and pummeled and. <laughs> kissed and licked and yelled at and jumped on that that I you know I would be dying there in the middle of the studio and knowing at the same time hey this is great tv you know so we never in, I was going to say we never discouraged it in fact uh, the warm up crew would usually encourage it you know when you run down make sure you jump on Larry and, and mount oh, him and, and you know so I would uh, uh, there's a story that's not in the book that there was we went through a stage there where I had I would have a masseuse uh, in the in my change room because I would come away from those things broken, you know, and I couldn't walk. But it was um, they, they were you know they were wonderful, wonderful times. And again, it's not until you sit down to write the book that you realise you know I realise how much of a fun. I don't think I've worked a day in my life. I, I you know I've just had so much fun, and I've been so blessed to have spent so much time in in such a fun. Childish environment. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not. I mean, there are occasions though when you get the, you know, like the uh, the beady uh, sort of sweat beads running uh, down your forehead. I'm sure that happened when you did the Yoko Ono interview. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> that's a ripper story. It's a great that was, story. Um, gosh, that was when was that? Eighty eight, perhaps. I was working on a show called Good Morning Australia on Channel Ten, um, and the entertainment reporter at the time had uh, heard her back. And she was due to go to New York the next day to interview a big interview for Yoko Ono. Um, now I was the only—I was a young kid, and I was the only one without a family who could sort of just go to the airport the next day and go to New York. So um, I was sent home to pack and told I was going off to interview Yoko Ono. Now I didn't—I wasn't a fan of the Beatles. Oh, I guess that's what you're getting at. So I, mouth I, out, Laurie. Jeez, uh, Larry. I know. I, well, I grew up—I grew up around the discotheques of Bondi. Like it was—it was wham. It was. <laughs> All this stuff. So I, I, I didn't know much about the Beatles, and I wasn't a fan. But fortunately, what I thought was fortunate at the airport, uh, there was a book just out on John Lennon. The I think it was called The Lives of John Lennon. So I bought that at the airport before I got on the plane, and I, I read it. I, I, I went all the way through it, and I was marking it up and folding the corners down and post-it notes. And I got all these notes, and I thought by the time I'd get to New York, I would know so much about. John Lennon and the Beatles, <laughs> and there was a whole a whole fiasco losing my luggage and all that sort of thing. But the next day, I got sat down with the interview for Yoko Ono, and I had ten minutes with her, right? And it was about I think it was about I, don't, I can't actually remember, but I think it was about the release of um, her uh, maybe a record of hers or some art of hers or something. And I I had ten minutes, and I sat down, and she said she said. And they sent you all the way from Australia, meaning, because I was a kid, right? Mm -hmm. And she was used to being interviewed by the biggest interviewers in the world. 
And uh, I said, yes, yes, they sent me. <laughs> and I said, ten the producer said, right, you've got 10 minutes, and then at nine and a half minutes, I'm going to start winding you up. And I'm like, okay, let's go. And I said, uh, yeah, okay, thanks for joining us on Good Morning Australia. Now, about this book. And she looked at me like she was going to kill me. Oh. And she looked up at her publicist and looked back at me, and she said, I don't talk about that book as rubbish. And I went, oh, oh, um, oh, um, um, and I'm flicking through the pages. That's all I had. I had nothing else about the Beatles. I knew nothing else about Yoko Ono or John Lennon, only what I'd read in this book. And she went, I said, is it, is it, I'm flipping through the pages wildly looking for a question. She goes, is, it, is there anything, anything in this book? She goes, no, nope, I don't talk about it. It's rubbish. <laughs> And now I've got now I've got nine and a half minutes of the interview left, and I'm like, oh my god! Oh, the longest nice. nine minutes nice. of your life. And I, I had nothing. So I think you know she watched me struggle for a minute or two, and then I, I think I just said, "Have you ever been to Australia?" And she laughed, and she just came with me. We just went on this chat, and we were just riffing and spinning and chewing the fat, and it was it was not it was like. Been to Australia, what's your favorite restaurant? You know, and I, I said, hotel room. She, we were in her, her, where she was staying in the Central Plaza, which was much nicer than my crappy hotel room. And we joked about that. And it was just, it just went very, very smoothly and it turned very nice. And I, I think, as I write in the book, I think she felt sorry for me. She could yeah. see that I, I was a boy sent to do a man's job and I had no idea. And she just played, which was very sweet because she can be incredibly prickly, as anyone, oh, everyone yeah. knows. But I think um, that's a lovely story of connection, though, too, Larry, because yeah. there, there's an interview and then there's conversation and uh, and a that's nice right. um, juxtaposition of the of the two. It sounds like you were uh, you, you kind of hit it off in your own way. Well, that's right. That's exactly what happened. And to my surprise, and I think, and once I could see that she was like, well, I'm like, oh, she's, she's coming with me now. And then the publicist stepped in at the nine and a half minute mark to, to wind us up, and she saw that I looked off to the publicist and Yoko turned around. Went, no, no, leave us alone. We're having fun. So he spoke for, uh, you know, like must have been 20 or 30 minutes. And and it was a lovely, lovely chat. And it was warm and friendly. And Yoko Ono was not ever seen that way. Mm. No one had seen her that way because she it's not how she presented with interviews. So it was just a rollicking, lovely chat um, that went around a lot of personal stuff, a lot of fun stuff and a lot of silly stuff as well. And what happened with the morning show then is we made it into a uh, – sorry, um, the Good Morning Australia – is we made it into a whole week of Yoko Ono. That's how much great stuff we had. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was that, that was a lovely story. And it, it, it taught me actually, and there's a lot of it in the book about just being nice and just being a human being. Yeah. Um, and sometimes in the media, and certainly under pressure, uh, people can forget that. So I was lucky enough that I was naive enough. It wasn't any great strategy. It was more just a naive kid going, what the hell's going on? <laughs> but, 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 you know... It, I, that could have gone a million different ways and I would never have tipped that it would have gone that way. That's a wonderful story. And speaking of people in the media and, and, and staying nice, you and uh, and Kylie Gillies, I mean, have been a team for quite a few years now and it would seem to the, the observer that you guys get on like a house on fire. How's, uh, how's the morning show going? Well, that's not true. We don't get on all the time, which is <laughs> the morning show's going great. We've just, uh, we've just celebrated 15 years. Wow. Um, would you believe? Which is a lot like the longest time in television. I think that's um, I think that's about eighty years in human years. Yeah. But um, you know what? We we get on wonderfully well. And but when we don't get on, I think it's even better TV. <laughs> um, you know, and I think people I think people really like that in our relationship. 
Um, I think people really like the way that it's not all vanilla. Um, it's not all me just agreeing with Kylie and Kylie just agreeing with yeah. me. It's like she likes this and I don't like that. I like that and she doesn't like that. And um, she thinks uh, that's the solution and I think that's the solution. Mm. And so I, I think that's what's really, really special about our relationship um, that we can – and we're not fighting. Of course we're not fighting. But it's the, uh, it, it, it's the way that this relationship works and I think it's representative of, mm. of normal relationships. Sylvie and I have the same relationship at home. Um, well, that's clearly better, but <laughs> yeah, for, for all the right reasons. But we have the same thing where, you know, Sylvie would think, I don't listen. And Kylie thinks, I don't listen. And Sylvie likes um, um, watching these movies and I like watching those movies. So I think it's um, it, it's a good measure of a relationship. And I think that that's what makes Kylie and I so strong. Yeah, yeah. it'd be boring otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. It? I think so. Hey, uh, yeah. Larry, uh, now, now, now if I get this wrong, please uh, please correct me. Plaki <laughs> Katoflane. Oh, is that how you say? Yeah. Oh, very close. Good, good, good try. Good try. Very close. And it re- I've got to say, uh, it reads differently to how it sounds. So, um, okay. it, it's Platsky Kataflane. Okay. Platsky Kataflane. Now, the reason the that is such is, a yes, exactly. Tell us the story behind that. Oh, okay, okay. So, I'd been dating Sylvie for a while. Sylvie's Polish, obviously, and I wanted to tell her that I loved her, but I wanted to tell her in Polish. I thought that would be very, very impressive. And she'd think that was super adorable. So I called my uh, my mate's dad, who speaks a bunch. Who he's passed now, but he spoke a bunch of different languages, and uh, I knew he spoke Polish. And I said, "Fred, please teach me how to. I want to tell this girl I love her. Please tell me um, how to tell her I love her in Polish." He firstly said, "Be very careful with Polish women because the Polish cracked the Enigma code, which won the Second World War." So they're very clever. Be careful. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And he said, you've got to say this to her. Platsky Kataflani. And I wrote it down exactly like that. Platsky Kataflani. And I practiced it all week in the mirror because I wanted it to sound really romantic. Platsky Kataflani. And I raised my eyebrow and smile at the right bit. Platsky Kataflani. And then I got to the restaurant with Sylvie, the candles on, the beautiful wines on the table. And I leaned over. I took her hand. I looked into her beautiful blue eyes and I said, Platsky Kataflani. And she just laughed. Right? I went, oh, that's not what I was expecting her to do at this point. But she sort of laughed out loud. And I said, Platsky Kataflani. And she looked at me and laughed. She, uh, I said, what are you laughing at? And she went, potato pancake. That means potato pancake. That's <laughs> yeah, beautiful. So, so I, called, I called Fred on Monday morning and he, and he knew, like, as soon as he picked up the phone, he just burst out laughing. He said, you tell me you didn't say it. You didn't say it, did you? I went, yes, you told me to say it. I said it. <laughs> well, I think potato pancakes are romantic yeah, in their well, own way. Yeah, well, I think so. It can I work. I think so. Uh-huh. It has its moments. Well, speaking of dinner, Larry, if you could uh, have a few people around to your house uh, for dinner and you could have anyone you liked on the guest list, who would you be inviting? Oh. <laughs> Question without oh, that's notice. Good, yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, how many people? You can have as many as you like, and they can be dead or alive. But you know, preferably <laughs> preferably alive when they arrive. <laughs> I think um, I'd I'd really like to have Elon Musk around. I think. Oh, wow! We haven't had him oh, before. No. Yeah. No. I'd I'd really like that. I'd I'd like um, I think he's a fascinating guy. Uh, I would get him to pay for dinner though. Well, he could afford it, yep. 
Yeah, I think I think that. Yeah, no, I think I think I'd like that. I think that'd be a, a, a glimpse into the future. Um, and particularly if he bought, brought if he bought Twitter, he could help me with my Twitter follow. Yes. But um, no, I th- I think you know I think he's a fascinating guy. Um, and the other person I'd love to have at the table is Prince Harry. Um, and if not at my table, then in Vegas somewhere. <laughs> That's great. Yes. That's a good um, section. Uh, I, I love the fact that you've discovered and uh, you mentioned in the book uh, through your children that uh, you've become part of rhyming slang. Yes. Well, you know how um, Red Grundy's like undies or… Barry um, Crocker. Barry Crocker or Britney Spears for beers or something like that. So my kids called me almost at the same time as a year or so ago and it, something must have come out on Instagram or so. I was like, Dad, you're not going to believe it. This is so cool. You're, this is the coolest thing. Now when people go out, apparently, if they have a big night, as in a bender, <laughs> uh, it's called a Larry Emder. <laughs> so, <laughs> so people say, oh, oh, I had the biggest Larry Emder last night. <laughs> oh. So this, and this, of all the things I've done in my career, in my life, of this, my kids are proudest. <laughs> that is wonderful. That is wonderful. One other thing to ask you, uh, Larry, and I think you've put this on uh, Instagram, but I was a little bit, well, gee, I don't know, a bit nonplussed about it. Um, I think you were being resourceful one day and uh, you uh, wanted to have a bacon and egg and cheese roll and I don't know whether you had a bun available, but you whacked it between yes. a, um, <laughs> a hot cross bun. How did that go? What? Can I tell you that, well, that was a, that was after a Larry Emder uh, with my friend. We had a boy's. We had a boys' weekend, and we'd run as, as you do on boys' weekends. Just by the way, you know, because boys are bad at grocery shopping, mm. so we bought all the supplies for the weekend, and of course, eaten all the bread rolls on day one. So <laughs> that was Easter. So by day three, all we had was a couple of um, hot cross buns left. Uh, we had the bacon and the eggs and the cheese. So I thought, well, it's Easter. It's a boys' weekend. Of course, a bacon and egg cheese hot cross bun mm. on the uh, sandwich press. Now, can oh, I tell dear. you, it, well, with barbecue sauce, sorry, oh, I nearly left that out. Oh, it tasted unreal and sent the internet crazy and the feedback was it was a beautiful thing. Yeah, it makes sense because the uh, – It the was thi- savoury, it was sweet, mm. it was everything. There, there is a thing about having the sweet bun with the, the savoury in the middle. Yeah. So, genius. Yeah, I'm the, I changed Easter. Who knew? A little boy from Bodlike <laughs> would change Easter for everybody. But I recommend I, it was it was funny because I I, I I admit I had had a big weekend, uh, so I went back a week or so later when it was still buzzing on the internet. I thought I actually just have to try it when, you know, when I'm I'm not hungover and my taste buds are fine, and it was I really liked it. Okay. <laughs> I really liked it. There you go. Uh, proof is in the pudding, as they say. Hey, Larry, it's been lovely to catch up with you, mate. The book is uh, is fascinating to find out, you know, your mum was a cheese smuggler, that you've got a tattoo, that uh, <laughs> that you don't talk a lot about, uh, that, you know, that you did win the Rose Bay Public School Marching Parade Trophy in 1973. <laughs> the things we've discovered have been wonderful. It's, it's a great little read and it's been lovely having a chat with you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, guys. I really appreciate your time and I'm glad you liked the book. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Uh, he's a very nice fella. He's a really <laughs> he nice fella. Yeah, really unaffected by all the success that he's had because he's he's had the highs and the lows and all the bits in between. Absolutely, and yeah. and, and I I love people who are that uh, laid back and down to earth and. 
I lo- just enjoying I love, life. You, you, you have yeah. to uh, – there's things in your life when, you know, the ground you completely and, – and Larry talked about his wife uh, in that chat. Yeah. And when you open the book and go – and the first thing you see is early praise for happy as, which normally in books, you know, they put, yeah. you know, wonderfully written, da-da-da, uh, depth yeah. and, you know, great story. How about this? Oh, look, it's very sweet, but you're not going to win a Pulitzer. <laughs> Sylvie, his wife. <laughs> Only your wife could say that. Exactly. Uh, and his sister says, book, you're writing a book. You've never read a book in your life. Bless so. him. And you know what? That's that's what I think is one of the most endearing qualities in life is being able to laugh at yourself. Yep. And and not taking yourself too yeah. seriously. Uh, and he does a great job on all the shows that he works on. Uh, so good on him. And uh, check the book out if, you, uh, if you're so inclined. Now, the Friday food poll, Kevin. <laughs> uh, I my thoughts on this uh, won't take very long. Won't take two minutes. Two minute noodles. Uh, no, never, never, never. Mm. Simple as that. Let's start with Muriel, who okay. says in capital letters, "Yuck!" Mm. The most rubbish food on the planet. Bart Shaw says a Saturday night staple after a bad day on the yeah. punt. And to which Butcher replies, uh, "They are underrated." Glenda Iskall, who uh, last week said only when drunk, this week just puts a <laughs> vomit emoji up. <laughs> a gross Thanks, vomit one. Uh, Joylene, yes. Sylvanas says, my boys love these, so it's a yes from me. Yeah, the kids love them, don't they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> Sue Landry says, nah, not for me. Sarah says, that's a yay from me. Love these with baked beans. She's actually provided a photo, a photo. of a heart-shaped splodge of baked beans on the noodles. Yeah, yum. <laughs> and it was actually oh, Sarah who gave me this idea. <laughs> okay, Sarah, I'll just finish your little post off here with Yum. <laughs> <laughs> Look on your face. Yum. Sue Hosking says, yay, but I try not to as I can't get the baked ones down here, which is, you okay. know, gives them the uh, the flavour. The what? <laughs> Sorry, did you just say two minutes? The alleged, the alleged flavour. <laughs> in the same sentence. Carolyn says, as a parent, I hate these. My children hate that I won't buy them. Mm. Their friends eat them and I won't have them in our house. Oh. They are disgusting, no nutritional content, just chemical crap. Oh, <laughs> Caroline. Yep, Whoa. that's pretty decisive. Okay. Rebecca says, hell yes, uh, I get vegan ones here, that being Thailand, oh. um, and they are just so yummy, Kevin. Michelle says, oh, a two-minute noodle sandwich, <laughs> definitely a yes from me. What? Oh, are you serious? Wouldn't that be soggy? Oh. Or is that before you actually put them in the oh, water no. and do a well, crunchy the, one? It, it, it's, not, it's not becoming any more tasteful, oh. whichever way you decide Michelle, to configure it. please explain. <laughs> yes, Michelle. <laughs> Julie says, yay, when there's nothing else to eat and you need something very quick. Uh, Julie says, delicious as a soup or uh, uh, or other loads of veggies. Yeah, so you that's whack true. it in a soup. Yeah, yeah. Okay. well, you don't drain off the, the yeah. liquid. Okay. Karen says, uh, Indo me. <laughs> With sliced veg and chicken. Delicious, of I don't, course. No, I don't understand That's, a, what that's that an Indonesian dish. Oh, is it? Yep. Okay. Uh, Rachel says nay. Grace, yay. Uh, Susie says terrible rubbish, but I love them. <laughs> yeah. I love them. They say honesty <laughs> there. I love them. Dr. Joe Gara, if you don't mind, yes, 40 years ago, but not now. Uh, absolutely yes from Rosemary. Used to even eat them dry as a yeah. kid for play lunch. <laughs> I saw kids do yeah, we that. we did. Uh, now I add veggies to make them feel yeah, healthy. Yeah, it's so true. Jane Barnes, oh, yes, please. Ernest says, just add an egg, soy sauce and chilli flakes. Mm, can make good two-minute noodle omelettes with lots of eggs. Mm. Anyway, Elliot's Pet Warehouse. <laughs> That's random. Uh Mm, yes, yummy. Uh, Linda says, is there any nutrition apart from the teeny green yeah, bit? Yeah, the little herbs. What is the teeny well, green Well, the, they're little dried herbs that come in the flavour sachet. 
Okay. <laughs> those flavour sachets. In the what? They're little <laughs> aluminium packets. You've uh, we'll, got to have those. We'll get those. to the sachet a little Old later. Old croaky. I prefer a bowl of wired earbuds just as tangled. Yep. Fair uh, enough. It's just about in, as tasteful. The dentist says throw in some baby corn, water, crestnut and a spoonful That's of peanut a butter. Uh, what did I say? A chestnut. Oh, chestnut. Yeah, well, crest, chest. That old chestnut. Yes, exactly. And a spoonful of peanut butter with a dash oh. of soy sauce. You could even toss in egg and oh. fried capsicum. Oh, turn it up. Hey, that would that would certainly oh, zhuzh well, it up. Oh, it's not meant to be a gourmet meal. A peanut butter and soy, yum. And uh, finishing, mmm. <laughs> Kerry says, uh, always have it in the pantry for the grandkids. Uh, it is passable with fried onion, garlic and capsicum and other random stir-fried veggies. I reckon that's true. You well, can if you make throw it that healthy. on anything, you'll make it edible. Mm-mm. Avril says, yay, but better with a decent stock cube, an egg and some cabbage or Chinese veg. Oh, yeah. give me a break. <laughs> I agree sake. about the stock cube. And Amy says in caps, classic hangover fodder. Well, let's see what Wayne thinks. I despise this cup or block of foulness with a level of hatred that is unequalled in the annals of human history. I lived on a steady diet of these, (laughs) marathon mouse (laughs) coffins and the orange teeth in a box that is Kraft macaroni and cheese when I first moved out of home. (laughs) Even the smell of one of these these days makes me gag like, you know, when your faithful dog has a chum flatulence attack. Plus, they are deceitful liars. Two-minute noodles take much longer than two minutes. Yes. Uh, So the name is absolute bullcrap. Think about it. You boil the kettle, (laughs) check 15 drawers for a pair of scissors to open the sachet of chemical (laughs) evil. Before you rip it off with your teeth. That adds taste to the cardboard-shaped noodles. You then add water and the aforementioned luminous death powder and (laughs) you have to wait for it to soften. Luminous death powder. Luminous death powder. (laughs) Batman had some in the uh, in the Batmobile. A t-shirt material. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's way more than two minutes right there, and the peas will oh. still have the consistency <laughs> of a ball bearing. Seriously, if you're a dab hand with a slingshot, you could use a two-minute noodle pea to take out a small bird. <laughs> Now, what I like about Wayne is Wayne is inventive. Yeah. Wayne actually, it's not all about evil and just being negative. Wayne's positive. Wayne has turned this into an enormous positive. And yeah. uh, and here it here it is and here's how it happens. The only way you could make two minute noodles in two <laughs> minutes is to put the kettle on, <laughs> eat the raw noodle brick, <laughs> drink the boiling water, and then snort the flavour powder. <laughs> oh, that's that is two minute noodles. Uh, He's creative. just he has just done it the way it's yeah. advertising, real advertising. That's so right. Now Wayne uh, Wayne's done a bit of research on this because he once read a story about a woman who complained about finding an earwig oh. in a pot noodle, which is the pommy yeah. equivalent of uh, two minute noodles. And as Wayne points out, she should have been thanking them for putting <laughs> an actual meat in there and adding to the nutritional value of that cup of morphed turpentine. I think that's moral turpentine. I might be turpitude. Turpitude. I don't know what turpitude is. You know what, Wayne, you've stumped me. Can we go back to you using really simple words for me to be able to read? Uh, whatever it is, it's uh, it's it's not added to it. Uh, I would rather stand front row at a Nickelback concert what? than ever experience the sadness and suffering that these noodles oh. provide ever, ever again. No, 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 oh, no. Oh, that's thoroughly Wayne. entertained me. Oh, my goodness, Kevin, Good when anyway. I was a kid I used to love them, but I was a bit of a greedy guts because I liked to have two packets at once. One one was never enough. Were they four-minute noodles when they you were magi, up? They were magic two-minute oh. noodles. No, they, well, but Wayne is right. You do need more than two minutes, I, I think. I, I don't reckon I've – I reckon I might have eaten them once or twice in my life. 
I, I'm not a big noodly type person anyway, but uh, no, they just – you look at them and go, are you seriously going to eat that? I, I remember, know they're not the best thing for you. You know the packet one, the, the, yeah. the soup in a cup type oh, things that everyone used to do? All that in. stuff. It's <laughs> yeah. like you look at that and go, seriously, have you vomited already? Have you been sick yes. already or is that you're going to actually eat that? No. So, uh, but it's so, uh, it's so convenient. Uh, very much a 50-50 go on that one. The people yeah. – uh, and but I must say hardly anyone said, oh, yes, just on their own, the two-minute noodles are just delicious. See, I like them on their own. Oh, okay. Oh, you're yeah, the only yeah. person. You're it. <laughs> <laughs> Tag, I wouldn't say I wouldn't it. say have them every day, but um, I think there's a certain comfort oh, about gee, having them. Good, good on you, Miss Nutrition 1995. <laughs> Don't have them every day. Really? Only the uh, only the chicken variety. Oh. I, I didn't mind the uh, the chicken sachet. I remember I had to used to go and buy them for you, the chicken ones, <laughs> the chicken two minute noodles. Uh, that brings to a close another uh, nutritionally. We uh, seem to have stopped doing that uh, in recent years. What uh, Nutritious episode of nutritious and delicious. Oh yes, we got them all. We've ticked all the food groups thank here. Thank you so much to Larry Emder for speaking to happy, us this week. Happy as is the name of the book. Check it out. You'll thoroughly enjoy reading it. And uh, we'll be back with more food bites with Sarah Patterson next time. Take care. No two minute noodles. <laughs> really, seriously, get a lot. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips, and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.